0: Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Blackheart. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas week. Uh, Anything else you celebrate... My birthday is coming up, so happy that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys for being here. I am so excited for today's episode. Coming up, I have such a fun conversation with Gibson Johns. Um, If you are a part of the Bravoverse, then there's no doubt that you know who I'm talking about. He is a celebrity journalist and entertainment reporter and podcast host. Um, But more importantly, he interviews more Housewives than Andy Cohen, it seems like. Uh, he even hosted the Family Karma panel at BravoCon this year. So uh, suffice it to say, this guy is an absolute legend amongst Bravo holics. So I'm so excited. Our conversation is so fun. We have a ton of laughs. Um, we talk about everything from you know how he got started uh, doing what he does, um, who his favorite and maybe least favorite Housewives are. Uh, we even talk about some awkward encounters he's had with A-list movie stars on the red carpet. You guys, you do not want to miss this, um, so yeah, stick around for that. But in the meantime, I am going to be recapping this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Real Housewives of Potomac, so let's get into it, shall we? Okay, so on this week's Real Housewives of Potomac, Karen gets a tour of Giselle's home, and I will say that it's an upgrade, but it's still very Giselle. It's like, a little bit fancy, a lot tacky, um, a little bit just barely missed the mark. Like, she clearly doesn't have great taste. I just, ugh, I wish she hired a designer. But at least she tried. Like, you can tell she tried. <laughs> Karen and Giselle catch up on Miami and their feelings about Mia. Karen says that she really likes Mia and her friend Jacqueline, but she just doesn't like that Jacqueline speaks on behalf of Mia. Giselle starts gossiping about Mia and Jacqueline, basically implying that she feels like Mia and G are bankrolling Jacqueline's lifestyle, and are allowing her to enter their marital bed. Giselle also notes that Mia and Jacqueline were showering together in Miami, and Karen says it best, Mia needs to get ahead of this because Giselle is about to tell the whole world. Meanwhile, Wendy's in the ER with a horrible case of kidney stones, or kidney stones if you watch Friends. Robin and Giselle are still preparing for their live show, which is costing 10 k out of pocket. God, I hope they sell out, jeez. Giselle also wants to help Robin plan her wedding, but this seems like a lost cause. One, because Robin likely doesn't want tufted purple couches and zebra print pillows at her wedding, and two, because there probably isn't going to be a wedding. Candy Gal and Trina are filming the video for her new single, Insecure, and okay guys, I have to say, Candice might be the best Housewives pop star out there. Like no offense Countess Luann, but really it feels like she actually could be doing this even if she weren't famous for being a housewife, which is not something that you can say for most of the wives who put out music. Later, Robin and Juan discuss Robin's desire to have a prenup once again, and she brings up an infidelity clause. Juan gets kind of defensive and mad and is like, we don't have to worry about that, but Didn't she already have to worry about that in the past? And like, if it's not something to worry about, then why do you sound so worried, Juan? Wendy goes home after her surgery and it's revealed that she had these kidney stones for over a month and was just living with them. Like that's wild to me. Kidney stones are apparently really painful, like I feel like a man would never be able to do that. Women are so powerful. Karen goes over to Mia's and asks her, point blank, are you and G fucking Jacqueline? And Mia says that she and Jacqueline have definitely fooled around, but not with G. Mia says that she used to want to be a gynecologist, so really she was just studying. Then Karen asks her, are you and G fucking Peter Thomas? And Mia reveals, never Peter, but Peter's girlfriend. Oh yeah. Okay, so do I believe that maybe there's a girlfriend that Mia and G fucked? Sure, but do I think Peter was 100% in the room too? Yeah, absolutely. So it's the night of the reasonably shady live show, and everyone's turning out. Juan and the boys show up in jeans and t-shirts, and I feel like if my husband was doing a big show and I was, you know, taking our non-existent kids, we would be dressing up to the nines to support, right? Like, it's disrespectful. But, I don't know, that's just me, a bougie Capricorn diva. I mean, I guess lucky for them, there's no one even really there to see what they're wearing. The venue's at, like, 50% capacity. So I guess take that how you will, based on whether you're a glass half-full or a glass half-empty kind of gal. Okay, so the show seems pretty awkward, to be honest. I'm not sure what I would expect from a reasonably shady live show, and it definitely wasn't anything better than this. (laughs) But like, to be fair, I don't listen to their podcast, so I really have no clue what their vibe is. Maybe they're always awkward, maybe that's their vibe. In which case, they totally nailed this live show. So Robin mentions that they profited $14,000 on this show, which at first seemed like a stretch to me. I honestly was like, there's no way. But then I started doing the math. So if they spent $10,000, that means that they needed to make $24,000 on ticket sales to profit $14,000. I googled how much tickets to their shows cost and they average about $150. So that means they would have needed to sell 160 tickets to make $24,000. And based on the footage of this live show, I mean, there definitely were somewhere between like 100 and 200 people there, so yeah, I mean, it kind of tracks. Good for them. Karen tells the girls that the show was good, despite having a binder full of notes on what not to do for her own show based on everything they did that sucked. So, after being reasonably successful at their live show, Giselle decides to be completely shady and questions Jacqueline on all the things she's been wondering about. Things that are, per usual, none of her damn business. But we know that's not gonna stop Jizzy from being messy. After all, that's what she does best. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend, Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from cinnamon are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the coco chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With SinMin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com that's sin-min.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and SinMin definitely helps. On last week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the ladies are recovering after the previous night's dramatic dinner. Lisa Barlow needs a Kit Kat, stat. Whitney tells Angie Kay and Lisa that she doesn't think Heather's even noticed that she's started to pull back from her friendship. And she's right. Things are also weird now between Heather and Jen. Heather thinks it's clear that Jen has been talking mad shit about her based on everyone's accusations that Jen is a flip-flopper. Honestly though, they both talk mad shit about each other, and they both blindly protect each other. It's, it's such a weird relationship, it gives big Kyle Richards and LVP energy. Heather says that she thinks every one of them has a toxic relationship with Jen Shaw, and she's totally right, and you know what? So does the audience. Jen apologizes to Angie Kay again, and she forgives her, to her face, but in confessional, she basically says that she will never see Jen the same way again. Jen's planned a beach day for the ladies, but as Lisa knows, this isn't chips and queso. I mean, turks and queso. I mean, oh fuck, you guys know what I mean. But there are snacks and drinks and games, oh my. After playing the games, some of the ladies take a surf lesson, and some of the ladies go to lunch. Now I definitely know which activity I would choose. Spoiler alert, it's the one where you eat. At lunch, Jen and Lisa and Heather all try and work through their issues, and boy are there a lot of issues. I mean in reality, I don't think any of these women are really friends, and yet all they seem to fight about is how much or how little they're friends. Heather tells Jen that her relationship with her is terrifying and toxic, and Jen throws it back on Heather, telling her she's a flip-flopper. I mean, they both talk out of both sides of their mouths. And their asses. Jen, unable to take any sort of criticism or accountability for her behavior, screams at Heather and Lisa that she tried to kill herself and then storms off. Like Lisa says, the conversation is now over. There's nothing you can do from here. It's such a manipulation tactic. Like, okay, look, I'm not denying that Jen tried to kill herself. It's completely believable that she would be extremely depressed given everything that's going on. But the way that she used her own personal trauma to deflect from her behavior and to try and silence her friends from voicing their own feelings, it's gross to me, honestly. Like, it is not okay. But it's also not surprising. This is Jen's brand. How low can she go? That night, the ladies all channel their inner Marilyn Monroe and head out on the town. No, seriously, they went out in public in these outfits. Cringe. So did you guys catch when Angie Kay told Heather that she actually looks really good? As if it was a huge shock to her. (laughs) So at dinner, the ladies start discussing their respective times at the surf lesson and at lunch, and Heather mentions that they had some hard conversations but reached some good resolutions. Whitney asks for more details, and Jen tries to shut it down, but Whitney's doing her job. This is a show, after all, so she tries to get more info. Jen snaps at Whitney, saying, I told them I tried to kill myself since you want to dig so much. Is that what you wanted to hear? Once again, she uses her own personal trauma, no matter how sad, to try and shame someone, make them feel bad, and shut them up. It's disgusting, and I am not okay with this. Like, it is not appropriate. Jen tells Whitney that she should tell Heather how she feels since they're putting their feelings on the table, and Whitney says she has, many times. And she has! Like we've seen it. I've seen at least three scenes this season where Whitney's told Heather, or at least tried to tell Heather, what her issues were. And Heather shoved Whitney, and walked away, and slammed a door in her face, and told her she was done with her forever. Like do Jen and Heather really not remember this? Are their awful Marilyn Monroe wigs on too tight? (laughs) But for real, how can Heather possibly act like she has no clue what their issues are or that Whitney has started to distance herself? Like, even at the choir rehearsal, Whitney straight up said to Heather, I didn't know that you wanted me here. Things were so weird the last time we saw each other. Like, Heather can't keep claiming that she doesn't remember anything unless she's prepared to go get a CT scan. Like, I mean, for real, I'm starting to get concerned. Whitney's main point is that everyone needs to hold some accountability for their actions and stop deflecting or having pretend amnesia, it's ridiculous, and Lisa agrees. Heather, in an attempt to deflect once again, says that the person who's talked more shit about Lisa than anyone is none other than Whitney Rose. Um, I can think of someone who has said a lot more shit about Lisa Barlow than Whitney Rose has, and that's Heather Goodtime Galgay. Heather really has had a major fall from grace for me this year. In just 11 episodes, she has backslid so much. It's sad. I mean, she continues to tell Whitney that she needs to speak, but every time she does, she cuts her off and gets someone else involved. I'm sorry I'm so horrible, she says, and then I'm sorry you hated Lisa until now. Another deflection. Heather Gay, shut up, de-hulkify, and just listen to your friend slash cousin. Jen quietly tells Angie Kay that shit's messy over there, pointing at Whitney, but girl, Heather Gay is a mess. A sloppy, forgetful mess. And you, Jen Shaw, are a mess. A violent, criminal mess. (laughs) Like, if Whitney's messy it's because she dropped a birthday cake or is covered in body paint or something, and I'll take that over Heather and Jen's mess any day. Heather gives some half-assed apologies that she clearly doesn't mean, and both Whitney and Anna try and tell her that she's sounding incredibly passive-aggressive. This sets off Hulk Heather even more, who snaps at them not to try and make implications about what she means, just take what she's saying and shut up, basically. She even calls them petty for saying that the way she's speaking to Whitney isn't okay, but it's not, and the way you speak to someone is incredibly important. Tone carries a lot of meaning, and if you can't accept that, and if you're going to continue to be a dick to someone and refuse to listen to how your words and the way you talk to them makes them feel because you don't like being called out, then you're the petty one. Heather, at this point, starts to completely ignore Whitney. Then they go to the bar and Heather basically threatens Whitney behind her back, telling Jen and Angie Kay that she's a ride-or-die friend until she's not, and she knows a lot about Whitney. Then at the club, she starts shouting fuck Whitney over and over again from the balcony. Like I said, petty. And also, kind of a huge fucking bitch. The episode ends with the cliffhanger of Heather's black eye and who was trying to get into her room in the middle of the night, so hopefully we'll find out this week what happened. And honestly, I do just have to say thank you to Bravo for giving us Heather's black eye as a Christmas gift this week. It was honestly at the top of my list. It's the holiday season, which means that we're all a little more likely to be indulging in some chocolatey goodies, but when you really look at what some of our favorite generic candy is made of, it'll make you feel like you belong on the naughty list. Don't limit yourself to your kids' advent calendar leftovers. This holiday season, treat yourself to some grown-up candy. Vosges Haute Chocolate was founded in 1998 when CEO and founder Katrina Markov pioneered the concept of exotic chocolate by fusing spices, herbs, nuts, and flavors from around the world with premium chocolate. Explore a wide variety of assorted chocolates made with vibrant cacao and superiorly sourced ingredients. Vosges Artisan Chocolate is meant to balance the body, mind, and spirit when eaten mindfully. Indulge in gourmet chocolate with exotic chocolate flavor profiles, such as dulce de leche bonbons, manchego and cherry dark chocolate bars, and ginger turmeric milk chocolate. The perfect gift for the chocolate lover in your life, or yourself, Vosges Haute Chocolates offers premium chocolate gifts and chocolate gift baskets. You guys, these are not your kids' candy bars. Order your premium chocolates online today, and taste the difference. Visit vosgeschocolate.com, that's Vosges, spelled V-O-S-G-E-S, chocolate.com, and use code BLAKE to get 15% off your order. Happy Holidays! Okay, guys, I am so excited because today I am joined by Gibson Johns. He's an entertainment journalist and the host of We Should Talk, a weekly interview series where he unpacks the biggest moments in pop culture and spills all the tea about A-list movie stars, reality TV icons, social media influencers, and so much more. Hi, Gibson. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, well, I'm excited to have you, especially I know right now is like such a chaotic time. It's Christmas week. So Very I really chaotic. appreciate, yeah, so I appreciate <laughs> you taking a little time out of your schedule to join me today.
1: Of course, any excuse to talk about Bravo and pop culture. I'm right. Down.
0: I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? Exactly. <laughs> the
1: escapism we need. <laughs> exactly.
0: And, and if I can make my entire life just one big escape, like then I'm doing something right, you know?
1: Absolutely. I'm with you. <laughs> I love
0: it. Okay. So I I like to start at the beginning. Um, You know, Julie Andrews taught me that that's a very good place to start. So mm-hmm. I I want to know about your life. I want to know about your childhood, Um, whether you were someone who was always into pop culture and celebrities, and then how you ended up making that interest into a career.
1: Yeah. So I was definitely always interested in pop culture from like my earliest memories like when i was when i was like five years old i would watch the wizard of oz every single day literally um so i was always obsessed with pop culture and um i had an older brother who was, was similar has, has very similar interests to this day so he would also expose me to certain things and um like the spice girls you know i was a britney boy he was a christina guy Ooh, um, like dude <laughs> like th- things like that like, like pop music was huge for me in terms of like my aunt my entrance into pop culture and and yeah. like establishing that interest um and, and definitely and like in my household like we, we could always watch tv like nickelodeon disney channel all, yeah nothing was sort of like the, the tv was always on it still is and, right i, I um, feel like
0: we we were raised in that generation where like screen time really wasn't an issue yet and and parents yeah. were kind
1: of like letting the tv be our babysitter in yeah a way. i think yeah totally and i think that at least in my family the thing that was sort of like that did have the constraints were video games and mm-hmm. like like we so that that always made video games something that like we wanted to do but we did that i was never really like a video game guy just because like we were only allowed to play it like play them you know on 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 vacation from school or like during the summer or like long weekends or whatever like during the week like and regular weekends my parents like just they just viewed video games as sort of being a time suck so that was sort of like the one portion of pop culture that I never really like fully got on board with um but yeah the TV t- no constraints on tv we always went out to the movies like that was a big family activity growing up um and I think yeah, I think my parents just viewed it as sort of like if you if you sort of can, if you take it away from your kids, you're telling them you can't have it, then they're going to want it that much more. Like I would like, I went, I had friends that like, weren't allowed to watch like Rugrats on Nickelodeon because like their parents were some reason against it. Then they would come over to our house and like be like fiending for that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I totally um, get
0: that. Like for me, it wasn't Rugrats, but it was the Simpsons, which I get. It's like a little bit more adult, but still like in hindsight, looking back, I'm like, it's still a cartoon. What were my parents so afraid of, you know?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it literally like for, for as long as I can remember, pop culture has always been something that I, you know, gravitated towards was passionate about, you know, I took the bus to school and I would always have my little disc, my, my little Walkman with a CD in it every day and like have my headphones in like that was, that was just always what I knew and what I loved. So, um, and I love that my parents let me sort of lean into that and, and express yeah. those and express those things. Um, And then I don't know, like, it was it's sort of an, not an accident how it became my career but like you know it was always a dream to like move to New York and work you know vaguely I wanted to work in media but like I didn't know exactly what that meant or looked like yeah um and like in college like you know that was sort of like the but the, the peak BuzzFeed era when like listicles were everywhere and like right. all the people that worked at BuzzFeed like you know were like had huge followings on Twitter and like yeah, were they were like the original and, influencers
0: like, yeah totally
1: yeah exactly and like I I think that like in like inherently like I wanted that but I didn't know that it felt unattainable unattainable to me and also like things change were changing so much at that time um yeah. online I didn't know what that would look like by the time I got out of college um but long story short like i i i got really lucky on an internship in new york, new york uh during college lived here for two summers uh back to back and then just ended up working at that company which was AOL and like i was i was working tuesday to saturday the night shift i was just sort of like down to do whatever it took to to get into that world and get my foot in there in the door um And I remember I was sort of just doing general like news curation and like some social media stuff and just sort of like had my hand in a bunch of different things because I was just sort of like taking everything that came my way. And there was an entertainment team and I like saw them like doing some interviews and you know, I was like, oh, like they're like kind of they're meeting celebrities and they're whatever. And I was like, so I basically just sent an email to the entertainment editor and I was like, if there's anything, if there's ever anything that like none of you guys want you don't have time for there's a conflict, but it's still kind of maybe a good opportunity. Like I'm down to take it on as something extra on the side. And that's just how I sort of started to do that. So like I was interviewing like random HGTV people, people I'd never heard of. And like, the, I remember my, the first one I got really excited about was a phone interview with Juliana Rancic, who like, Oh, that's I think awesome. It, which was amazing. And like, it was, you know, at that point, it was sort of like, you know, E! News was still really big. And it was mm-hmm. just sort of, she was somebody who at the time, I was like, Oh, that could maybe be something that I could, get into it in in some respects and she she represented that Uh, so that was really cool and then it just and then oh and then like one of them was supposed to was had signed up to go to committed to go to the the Heidi Klum Halloween party and then they had a Mm -hmm. last minute conflict and I was and I was it was on a Saturday night I was working the Saturday shift till 10 30 at night and they were like you can leave your shift early if you can fill in for us and I was like, if I could fill interview at the Heidi Klum Halloween party on the red carpet. And I was like, absolutely. Right. Who so would say that, no to that? <laughs> that? It was the year that she was Jessica Rabbit.
0: Oh, my God. And it was so it was like
1: iconic. And I was just I was like two feet from her wow. I- doing an interview on the red carpet. And I was like, OK, this is what I want to be doing. Like this is yeah. this feel it's like I'm passionate about this. I feel like I'm kind of good at it and I can get a lot better at it. But it's it, it sort of gave me this sort of thrill like to be yeah. in these moments. Um, So long story short, it just sort of like kind of the ball kept rolling and I, and I just kept saying yes to basically everything for like two years. Um, and I wasn't picky at all. I literally like nothing was too big. Nothing was too small. Like, I think that now I can be a little pickier and like a little bit more selective in sort of what I, what I decide to do, but, and I don't really do like red carpets or anything anymore, but that was doing a lot of that for a while. And, um, that really, I got my feet really wet and it got, I, I got like a really quick, um, training in it and then anyway the ball kept rolling and then um I sort of leaned into the bravo of it all I would say like yeah. four or five years ago um when I started interviewing housewives and I'd, I'd always watched housewives um I watched New York and Atlanta especially in Jersey like when they first started back in like 2008-2009 mm-hmm. and um but I, so I really leaned hard into it once I, I I I forget exactly how but I just I interviewed like a housewife or two and I was like okay this is fun because I was interviewing like more like um I was interviewing more classic celebrities, like more like run of the mill people who are doing like sponsorship interviews and things like that. Yeah. And they just like, they just like, don't tell you that much. You get like 11 minutes with them and it's fine. You're like talking to somebody really, really famous and big, but like the actual interview itself, it's hard to get that to be good yeah. um when those opportunities come around. And so I felt that with, with these Bravo people, they're famous because they've opened their lives up for cameras, and they have to be really open. And so, in an interview setting, like they don't know anything else. Like that's that's their natural, that's their base level. Their base yeah. level is to is for you to be able to ask them about their marriage, and they're fighting with their, their best friend, and they're going to answer those questions. They don't think that's weird. Like you can't just like ask like Chrissy Teigen about you know what's going on in her marriage necessarily. She'll give right. you like, like like a canned answer, but somebody like. You know, some a real housewife is gonna spill the tea. So yeah, I that it felt different talking to them, and that's when I started to sort of lean into it, and they would get picked up and things like that. So it felt like the right direction for me. Yeah, and absolutely.
0: Yeah, that, was a long, that was a long answer. I'm so no, sorry. No, it was it was, <laughs> it was great. Big, it was a big question. No, it, yeah. it it was great. I feel like I I definitely uh, know Gibson Johns a lot better now. So thank <laughs> okay, you. Good. But good. I I think that you're you're so right. When you interview a housewife versus like, you know, uh, a a film actor or a musician, I mean, it's such a different energy and Mm -hmm. you nailed it. It's because their entire career and, you know, persona is about, you know, ripping themselves open and like laying it all out there. Exactly. But there's also the element of like these women and, and I mean, it's reality stars in general, but I think it's really something about the housewives. Like the housewives is it's something special there, but they know that like these types of interviews and their interactions with the fans on social media and all of that, like it also drives the storyline and it can influence the storyline and that's something that like a a TV actor talking about their movie, like whatever questions I ask, that's not going to change the script of the movie, but like Mm. the conversation that I have with a housewife could, you know, uh, result in some crazy scandalous soundbite that goes around and becomes a storyline next season on the show. Like we see that all the time.
1: Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And they, you know, and it's also, I think this has become more true as the years have gone on. Like they're so aware of also the fact that, they want that to happen because it's they, they want to keep their job and their job right. is basically in jeopardy every year like exactly. in in a, in a real way and um so th- i think the the best the best housewives know how to work that ecosystem really really well yeah. you know and some of them don't play into it as much maybe because they don't have to but also maybe because they aren't they aren't as good at playing that game but yeah. um yeah you're so right that like yeah. they, they know they know that it all feeds itself
0: Exactly. And I think anyone who's been in the Bravo verse for, you know, m- more than a few weeks, if you have like a, <laughs> a a Twitter and you're talking about housewives regularly or an Instagram account, uh, odds are that a housewife is going to slide into your DMS at some point and is going to try and feed some tea into your ear or, you know, try and uh, garner some support or thank you for the support to try and build that fandom up. I mean, <laughs> they, they know how to, um, work the room if the room is like the entire fandom
1: exactly yeah (laughs) a hundred percent i i I totally agree
0: yeah so like you said you you now are kind of known in the bravo verse as someone who regularly interviews housewives um and reality stars across the board like i know that you also interviewed the uh umansky uh daughters recently Mm -hmm. with um uh, buying Beverly Hills and all of that so have you always been into reality tv or is that something that you kind of got into with Bravo
1: yeah no I've always always been into reality tv like I've been you know the season 43 of Survivor just wrapped. I've watched all 43 seasons of Survivor oh of wow. <laughs> my god yeah it's Like no, no it's, I, it's commitment.
0: I, I get it because I started big brother like a few years ago obviously very late but I like went Same back thing. and watched all of it and I've watched it, all of them yeah it's a commitment yeah but it's so yeah good. so I,
1: I I guess I so I guess first like it was more reality competition series that I was into um so I guess survivor survivor was probably my first one like 1999 2000 um and and, that, and that's probably what I talked about earlier like having a brother and a slightly older brother who like was reading about those things and whatever, like he sort of would decide that we were going to be watching those things. And I loved them as well. Um, American Idol was huge for me. American Idol. Like I think American Idol was the first, I guess, early survivor too. But like in those, both those shows, they do such a good job of like, pulling out certain elements of the contestants personalities and their, and their stories. And, and I definitely like each season, I would have like my, my favorite and I would, I would be like really attached to them. And, and, and I, I think I recognize that as something that's a through line of reality TV obviously is like, is, 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 you know, pushing those narratives that are part of their life and enhancing them. Um, But I, I liked getting attached to the people, and I and I felt like a sort of reciprocal thing sometimes, and, and in weird ways. Like, um, so I guess so. So you know, Survivor, American Idol, Big Brother, those were early big ones, and then like Laguna and the Hills, like those oh, yeah. were sort of the 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 doc more docu series type shows um big like loved love those like i think what what wrote me into those initially honestly were were the soundtracks and like the music element of that was really big you know and like they created these it created moments i think right like you know it was presenting reality tv in a in a cinematic
0: way which had yes. never been never been done before and even the like non competition reality shows you know going back further like the real world which was also sort of documentary style but it wasn't shot the same way the stories mm-hmm. didn't unfold the same way where like they really were told over the course of a season with twists and turns it kind of was just like whatever we have on camera we're going to show you um yeah but but i do think that you know laguna beach really did kind of change the game in terms of how reality shows are presented. And I, I, um, I don't know if you've listened at all to, uh, Steven Coletti and Kristen. Cavallari's oh yeah. I literally, podcast. I literally just binge it
1: last week. Oh my God, it's so good.
0: <laughs> so good. But they talk about how like halfway through the airing of the show, they had to put that, um, the, at the screen the at the beginning, the disclaimer yeah. saying that this is, you know, a re- reality show, it's all real. Um, and that was because when it started airing, people like didn't get it and they didn't know is it, is it real? Is it scripted? Because it was such a unique thing, but now that's what we expect. Like we expect it to feel like cinematic and we want like dramatic storylines that really pull us through for 22 episodes. I mean, even just the fact that reality shows now are 22 episodes long. I mean, that's like what scripted dramas are, you know? (laughs) Right. Totally. It's It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, I think that taught us to just view it as, heightened reality and i think I mean, I mean i guess at that time we weren't thinking about the hills and laguna as being anything i mean i took i took the hills at face value to me yeah. it was like this is a real show yeah whatever and this is everything is real and i think obviously since then we can reevaluate what that really was but i still think that like i don't know like i feel like people who aren't as tapped into you know the day, reality tv on day-to-day sense or even like in, in like kind of avid watchers the the common question that i get like in just like kind of anecdotally is like isn't it just scripted or whatever, whatever. And it's like, right. no, it's heavily, pro- it's, it can be heavily produced and and whatever. But I still think that even if a show is super produced, we're still getting something really real out of these people. Yeah. Even even if you have to think about it in the, in the sense of like, okay, this is a real person who is acting as if acting the way they think they should act in front of a camera just to come off a certain way. Like you, like, I think that probably you and I both sort of think about, think about and watch these shows with sort of like a meta analysis right. of it. Um but yeah, at the time of The Hills, like I was like, you know, and I, I actually tweeted this the other day because Netflix, I guess, just put The Hills on uh, on there the first two seasons. And like I said, like when Lauren didn't go to Paris and Whitney went in her place and then Lisa Love like kind of just read Lauren for filth as yeah. the girl who didn't go to Paris will always be known as the girl who didn't go to Paris. Like that moment actually did like looking back and, and in hindsight, that affected how I think about career and relationships and what and what you're supposed to. What you're supposed to value and what you're supposed yeah. to put emphasis on as a young person. And like, it totally. literally, that had an impact. I know that looking back, like, apparently, like, she didn't really spend that much time in Paris or didn't even go or whatever, but like, it still had an impact. Real- totally. Still, there's, there's an element of reality there. So, absolutely. Um, I mean, do you know how,
0: how many times I've thought to myself, like, when arguing with someone, I want to forgive you, but I want to forget you. Like, <laughs> that, that mantra goes hey. through my mind. You know, these things, stay- you know. I totally. Think, I think, you know, because of how, uh, unique and groundbreaking Laguna Beach and then subsequently the Hills were, um, yeah. I, I do think that they, because it was such a, uh, uh, swift change to the format they i think it was far more scripted than reality is now i think that that was kind of just a quick jump to like what we want the end product to look like and now we've kind of stepped back and figured out okay how can we still get that same end result but in a more organic authentic way without actually like the producers texting lauren conrad like what to say under the table which she's now admitted happened right and I, and i truly don't think that that happens on Shows like The Housewives, like like we talked about, it's produced and they might suggest, hey, you guys need to go talk about that fight you had last week, or they might, you know, be forced to sit across a table from someone that they would never choose to sit across a table from. But ultimately, their responses and their reactions are very, very genuine. And so I completely agree. I, I think that, you know, Bravo really did catch lightning in a bottle with this format that they developed with the housewives and now you see it across the board in all reality shows not even on bravo i mean i mentioned buying beverly hills which obviously it's like bravo adjacent but it's still the same kind of format you know and we have Mm -hmm. these confessional moments and we've got the reunions now and all of that so um i i definitely feel like bravo kind of honed the um the the craft of reality TV, yes. if you want to call yeah, it yeah. that <laughs> yeah i think
1: that they they yeah they captured i think they captured like just a, a level of like personality like the, like they, it's whatever andy calls it the bravo wink but like there was like a yeah. specific a specific energy that these shows had that really captured me and obviously a lot of other people I and mean, i think mtv and the early aughts had an element of that in a very different way like it's not, not the same way but they captured a certain a certain thing with their shows you know it was it was not just like we down the hills but it was also like my Super Sweet Sixteen, like the Ashley Simpson show. Like like I watched all of those. Those were on oh yeah. Those were on when I was in like, you know, middle school basically. So like yeah. those were those are big. But yeah, I think that Bravo has now like they captured something and then everyone else is just copying them. Essentially, Yeah. Yeah. It, well, because yeah.
0: the thing, like I, I loved those shows too. God, Ashley Simpson, like that, that show was so great. Like yeah. d- you bet. I had the Ryan Cabrera spiky hair, you know, it,
1: um, <laughs> I can see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but the thing about, again, it's like, there was no like through storyline of, of mm-hmm. that show. It wasn't like, you know, the whole season you had like something that was resolved by the end. Like we kind of do now with the housewives it really was just like all right we're gonna watch 10 episodes of this chick figuring it out and like that's all fun but there was no real um defining plot line or anything like that and i think that's why shows like that fizzled out fast and you know something like the housewives Will seemingly go on forever. I mean, I don't see an end. I hope so. I, <laughs> hope so. I hope so. I mean, especially too now with all of the girls' trips that they're doing, and just you know, being able to, they they finally uh, broken the fourth wall down, and I feel like that opens so many doors now, where mm-hmm. this this uh, it, it can just keep
1: snowballing in so many different directions. I completely agree, and I'm. I think the one thing I'm curious about is like the, to me, like Salt Lake City was like the first kind of post instagram kind of like it was it was sort of this like next generation of of housewife who was yeah study the playbook and it's it's almost like more meta than i think some of the other franchises are or at least at this point are so i'm i'm curious and like sometimes that really gets sometimes that really bothers me and sometimes it sometimes it doesn't and i was curious how i'm gonna how that's gonna evolve over time in terms of just like I mean, the cat, obviously casting is huge, but like if how they can find people who either like have not engaged with the show at all or can still be natural, yeah, and authentic but also play the game. I don't know it's a it's a really weird balance and I it think is. That- uh, they found they found fa- they have found people who can do that, but I think it's harder to find those people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we see they kind of cycle through new faces um more readily than they used to, because they're kind of just they cast someone and they realize right away that this isn't gonna work. Um, but you're right, it is a tricky time because I don't think it would be possible now to cast a housewife who has never heard of the show or at least seen an episode or two. I think the the real thing that they that is important in that is like, even if you've seen the show, even if you have an idea of what you're supposed to do, say, act like um, you can't come in with preconceived notions of the other women, you know, unless you're you're friends with them from real life and that's kind of your entree in, is you have a past relationship. But you you kind of can tell sometimes when someone joins the cast and they've watched the most recent season and they've got like axes to grind for no reason other than they're totally. just a fan. And that to me doesn't work.
1: Yeah. Or they just like want to be aligned with Teresa or something. So that's right. so they're automatically going to go after Melissa to Margaret, you know, yes, it's like, yes. all right, we got exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But I I do think that in a way, you know, it kind of works when you have a housewife who maybe has seen the show or knows the stereotypes of what a housewife is and is maybe putting on a little bit because you know when you think back to what this show is at its origins it was a show about you know going behind the gates and and looking at these families who were all trying to keep up with the joneses and so mm-hmm. when now they're kind of trying to keep up with the judai the judices or keep up You're with right. the richards or keep, yeah. keep up with the vanderpumps and so mm-hmm. you know it's still that aspirational um oh i've got to put on an air about me in a way i'm stepping into this new uh forum and i need to like really act like i belong here the problem is when they don't belong there
1: you know right totally it's like <laughs> i think jennifer jennifer Aden did that really really well on jerseys yes. like like yes. she like she had clearly studied the housewives handbook like it's mm-hmm. like she would even admit that yeah. but she but she is really great on the show and and she and she knows how to give us the moments that feel authentically her and like yeah. she is she is an outsized personality but she also came in kind of deferential to Teresa, but it's okay in my mind that she was like, I don't know. It's she, I think she's probably one of the best in the past, probably like six or seven years in my yeah. opinion, like in terms of just a one-off casting.
0: Yeah. She definitely did it well. You know who else I think d- did that well? And this is just off the top of my head. And this also isn't, um, saying anything about like maybe her most recent season or two mm-hmm. but when she first came in i thought dorit was really good at that of yes, like I agree. coming in she obviously she'd obviously had vanderpump in her ear and she obviously seen it but she went out of her way to like have dynamics with all the ladies interactions with all the ladies and she really stepped up to the plate her first season my god when she said that that stuff
1: about lisa Rinna's breath that was oh my god good for was, a first was,
0: season housewife like
1: so was good. was, pa- was pantygate her first season yeah that was also early yeah so it's yeah. like yeah i totally agree she she played it well as well yeah she did 100
0: but yeah casting is a, a tricky thing and obviously we've seen um some some poor casting in recent seasons what mm. do you think like what characteristics do you think create uh, a good housewife like what if you were casting what were the would be the things that you
1: would be looking for I think something that I, I always come back to, and I think it works on either end is like somebody who is really self-aware that person can be like, to me, like that person should, should play sort of like the voice of the people role, sort of the Greek, the Greek chorus, like sort of like a Margaret Josephs or like the Bethany, like those women are very self-aware and they, but they are great housewives. They know how to create the moment, but it's still authentic. Yeah. Or it's like the other end of the, the spectrum, which no is, is like self-awareness, like, like Elisa Barlow, who to me is like an amazing wow. housewife because like, she I don't think she's very I, I think that her best moments are when she doesn't isn't trying to be funny, she just like mm-hmm. is herself and she just is funny, you know what I mean? Yes, like, I've said
0: this so many times. This season in particular, mm-hmm. she has no clue why people are laughing at the things she says, but she's right. just so happy that they are. She and like she really and she will lean into it yeah, but when she totally. sees that. Yeah. But,
1: but it's, like the, it's so the,
0: unintentional. She didn't like yeah. the joke. Like she doesn't even no. get
1: the joke. <laughs> I love. I love that was just something that she kept saying over and over and over and mm-hmm. over again. You know, hi, baby, gorgeous. I don't think was something that she planned on right. saying or like right. was a line well, that she I mean, even thought of like, ahead of time. This
0: season, do we think that she went into that choir audition thinking <laughs> that like she was gonna become the next Bravo pop star and that was no? Was I think well, I think that- stick.
1: I think that she thought, I think that she thought that she has like this really amazing, amazing voice. And yeah. it was just going to be like shutting the house down, you exactly. know, bringing the house down. And, you know, in, in some ways it did that and she can carry a tune, but it's not, it wasn't yeah. received in the in the way that she thought it was going to be received. Right. It was positive. positively. Exactly.
0: And that's all that yes. matters to her. Exactly. Because people people yeah. love it. She They're putting, yeah. putting her face on t-shirts. It's like, it's great. <laughs> She's into it. Yeah.
1: So to me, like, that's kind of what I, I I gravitate towards like that, the either end of that spectrum, like the middle, the middle, I think is, there are, there are women who work in the middle, but to me, like, those are the people over the years who I really love, you know, either way. definitely.
0: All right, we're gonna get back into Bravo, um, but I want to kind of talk about your career and just uh, you know hosting and and being a journalist and all of that jazz. So you mentioned previously that one of your first big interviews was with uh, Juliana Rancic mm-hmm. via the phone. Was, was is that like your your big first celebrity interview that you can think of, or what was like your big first face to face, like where you were just like
1: shitting your pants? <laughs> um, <laughs> around the t- around that same time. When I was just, it wasn't officially my job. I was just sort of doing it on the side, like for the entertainment team. Um, I also there was another woman who worked at worked there at the time, and she couldn't go to the glamour women women of the year awards that she'd been invited to. And she was like, Do you want to go under my name? And I was like, Again, like, of course I want to go to that. Right. Like, like, why the fuck would I not want to go to that? Yeah, exactly. Um, so and that year, one of the people being honored was Reese Witherspoon and you know and I love Reese and I think and and I think she at that time it was like 2015 and she was just sort of starting the hello sunshine like producing like the multi-hyphenate thing that she has going in full force now and that's why I think she was being honored and this woman was like you know all the honorees will go all the way down the all the way down the press line so like you'll probably get at least like two minutes with her or something so like but like, I've, she, this, this is this woman speaking. She was like, I haven't always had the best experience with her. So, like it, it kind of, it's, it can be, it can be on and off basically. Okay. And you know, I take that for what you will. Like I, I don't, I've, I had a good experience with her basically, but she basically was like, when in doubt, ask about the kids. That like, okay. that's sort of how you disarm some of these people. It's just like, yeah. go ask about the kids, not, not in, like a nosy way. And like a genuine,
0: yeah. The whatever way.
1: Yes. Yeah. So when you're, when you're on a red carpet, um, how it works is like the publicist will come first, like right, like you know, she'll be like, okay, you have two minutes with Reese, like no questions about the husband, the love life, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, and you're like, okay, great. This happened with with Reese, like keep it about tonight. We're not we're not talking about X Y Z, and of course the per the person right before me is like, I don't I don't know what outlet it was, some more like celebrity leaning outlet, and they the first question was like about her her husband or something kind of just nosy about her love yeah. life and the publicist was like all right no we're done here starts to pull Reese away and I was like oh, fuck now I don't get to talk to Reese Witherspoon Ugh. so I literally yell after her and I was like Reese like how does it feel to be such an inspiration for your daughter because the night was all about like you know yeah. celebrating women and stuff like that and she like turns back around and she's like well and then she like comes walking back to me and so like that was a, and I love Reese and I was just like, okay, like sometimes you just have to sort of play that game and yeah. like, and sort of this, this balance, um, that was a big early one. And and I think that like, I enjoyed red carpets when I was doing them, but they also like could be really miserable and like really kind of just like really chaotic and yeah, you're, pro- you're promised time with one person and then they don't end up, you don't end up getting time with them or I know I'm just not in the game of like yelling, yelling out to people like that. I right. did it for a while. <laughs> and like, at a certain point, I'm just like, why am I doing this? This is yeah. crazy. Um, How cool is that but... though? I mean, you got her no, to turn it, no, around. Oh, I, I mean, I went, yeah, I got her to turn around and like, and I had some really cool experiences on my carpets, but I, um, and, and it also taught me like, it taught me really to think on my toes. And, you know, sometimes you, you would run, you had your, your questions in your head and you'd run through them really quickly, or you'd forget one. And like, you have to, you're always thinking one question ahead, but you also yeah. want to be listening, but you also want to be listening to what they're saying. Right. Because if they say something of interest that you want to do a follow-up question about, you have to actually have been listening to them. Yeah. And so I sort of, I would observe what people around me were doing. And sometimes I would see them just sort of ticking off the questions on their list. And it wasn't a free-flowing conversation. And I think what I learned from, from that is like, I liked having the conversations. I didn't like to have the two minute interview where you go for the sound bite, where you right. look for the headline. I wanted to have 20 minute conversations with people, maybe less famous people than Reese Witherspoon, but people who wanted to engage in a conversation for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long you have with them, where you can really like actually have a back and forth. Then and yeah. it doesn't have to be question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And so that's, I mean, that's what I worked up to with, with, we should talk is like I wanted to just have like interviews with people. And what it took was me a little kind of, again, leaning into like a different kind of celebrity, which yeah. I'm, more than happy to do and i and i love it um but that's sort of what that was sort of a learning from those early years of like yeah i it's so special and so awesome that i've gotten to talk to all these people but maybe it's not like it's not as deep as i want it to be and i and i right. and i there are so many people who are so good at getting that headline and getting the sound bite and i and i respect that but it's just not what i want to do
0: yeah so no I, I, that's where i've gotten to i totally get that and i think that's um that's also what's great about the like doing podcasts and having this mm-hmm. kind of like long form interview uh, like medium, you know, when when you're doing red carpets or when you're on a show like ET or Access Hollywood or whatever, like your segment with each celebrity or person you're interviewing, it's like four or five minutes, and so it's really exactly. just about how much uh, you can get in that time. And and like you said, it's chaos, it's a rush, and and you're just thinking of the next question, and you're not actually like truly engaging. That's why I love mm-hmm. doing podcasts because I mean, especially for me too. Like I find when when you like really get into it with, with some of these people. First of all, they, they like no longer feel like celebrities. They kind of just feel like your friend and you're just hanging out with them. And like, that's Mm -hmm. a really cool feeling. Um, Yeah. But, but there's so much beyond the headline. Like, so I I recently interviewed Annalyn McCord and she was so cool so Love fun it. and of course I asked her about her um, poem to Vladimir Putin and we talked about that and of that course. was like a, a cool little like headline moment but the whole rest of the conversation like we talked about like we talked she told ghost stories and we talked about like like metaphysics and just like the universe and like all these other things that like weren't about her career weren't about like the the films or, or TV shows she's done like the stand questions she gets asked on the red carpet i literally mm-hmm. was like have you ever met a ghost before like you know <laughs> and and i feel like doing these kind of long form interviews uh opens that door to ask like m- more open-ended questions like that i mean yeah, i'm not saying you, you should ask I mean, everyone but, about a ghost but yeah. no
1: but like you but you went on an unexpected tangent with yeah, her yeah. and you got down on a topic that you wouldn't have expected to get on right and You know, you. I think you learn something about these people when you when when those moments happen that you wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, it's it's so different than just like the having a microphone and like shoving it in their face to get an answer. I also I I also uh, can't imagine how stressful it would be. You know, for me, I'm like. I like to be uber prepared. If I have a guest that books like last minute and I have like, you know, even just a day to kind of prepare for the interview, I feel so overwhelmed and stressed. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine mm-hmm. just someone being like, oh, by the way, Reese Witherspoon's about to walk up. And I'm no, like, oh, exactly.
1: I'm <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why it was, sort of, it was sort of a balance of like asking the same couple questions to everybody yeah. and then having the, the specified personalized for each person. But like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <It Yeah>. was, <laughs> yeah, have you ever-
0: have you ever just like completely embarrassed yourself or put your foot in your mouth in front of a celebrity?
1: I'm sure I have. I definitely like, <laughs> I definitely have like blanked, you know? Um, yeah. And most of the time it's like, they get it, you know, like the, it's, but, um, and I don't think there's anything that stands out as like a major well, flub. That's good. If
0: you're not losing sleep over it, then that's a good yeah, sign.
1: Yeah. I'm sure I could think of something, but right now. Yeah we're okay with what we've done honestly don't (laughs) don't
0: stress over it i don't want you like laying in bed tonight like replaying all of the interviews it's gonna come to me in
1: three hours honestly
0: (laughs) gosh okay has what about like the opposite of that has anyone that you've ever interviewed been just like awful or terrible or just like it was just really uncomfortable
1: i've i've never had somebody be like mean or really rude i've never (laughs) i've really never had that um i've had a couple like back when i was doing like a lot of phone interviews for just for written articles and things those could just like be really stilted just like mm-hmm. from the get like it's, it's you're not you don't see the person so it's like right. you're you're talking over each other or like you're not sure they're done with their answer so that always makes it a little bit kind of awkward to begin with i would yeah. say there was one moment with evil angoria at one, one time that like she wasn't I i would not say she was rude but it was just like a it was it wasn't great, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that I kind of think about is, and I think this this was sort of at a time when she was sort of unclear where she was going in her career. Um, and I think now she's sort of figured it out. And I really like her right now. But Vanessa Hudgens, like, I, it was an in-person. I had, like, five minutes with her. And so I prepared, like, I prepared, like, ten questions for five minutes. And, like, that's usually more than enough. Mm-hmm. But she... Answered all of them in like two and a half minutes. Oh God! Because she it was like that's how that's how like little she was giving me, right? Yeah, one word answer. She was just like not into it. Yeah, not we weren't vibing, and I think it was. But it was more. I was trying to. I was you know, but she just wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, and I was like, all right, I'm done here. Like yeah, after like two and a half minutes, I'm I'm good. If you're not gonna give me anything, I'm not. You're not gonna give me anything. And like. You know, I, I maybe she was. A, had. I don't try to judge people on that one experience if it's not great because, like, maybe they ha- were having an off day or maybe it had been a long day. Um, I do think it's like this is their, this is part of their job. and They're getting paid for a lot of these things. So it's yeah. like, I don't, I don't totally think that they get a free pass if they're not great in the interview setting. Right. But I also understand how these days go. So, and they're probably answering yeah. the same questions over and over. But those are the two that stuck out from early on. Um, but I honestly haven't had anything really bad like in the past several years over zoom because i think i mean sometimes you just cut to the chase it's like hey all right let's record you know like you don't really have that much time a lot sometimes you do but sometimes it's like all right no we have we have 20 minutes and we, I want to use my 20 minutes.
0: Right. You know, definitely. Partly. And like you touched on, it's not, it's like not as impersonal as yeah. uh, over the phone, but it's also still not the same type of pressure as like a face to face. So you kind of are in this like perfect forum to just like really dive in and get used yeah. to it. You can see each other, you can like vibe with each other, but you know, if, if things are like super awkward, the person's not like a foot away from you. So it's not terrible, you know?
1: Right. Totally. And I think that also in the, in the longer form setting, like I have more time to disarm the person person yeah you know so even if they might be a little closed up or not cold but just like a little bit less open to start i hopefully by the end they've at least warmed to the situation you know so
0: well have i disarmed you yet gibson
1: yeah of course
0: Good. Yes. We're like only 40 minutes in. So I would hope <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, okay. So was there like, again, the flip of that, I'm like, you know, pendulum swinging back and forth all over the place. Um, so has there, was there anyone that maybe you weren't excited to interview and then you got it, you interviewed them and you were like, Oh my God, I love this
1: person. Weren't excited. Or like maybe um, you
0: just thought you, they weren't someone that you were like you, you never thought of yourself as a fan and then you met them and you're like, wow, they're so they're awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody like that um definitely so i also i also went through a base where i was doing like a lot of junket interviews which is like (laughs) you know it's a lot of movies will have them where you go to you know a hotel floor and it's like every hotel every room has five like one person from a movie and it's just like you go in for five minutes on camera the setup's already there you just sit in a chair talk to the person for five minutes leave the room go into the next room talk to that person that's sort of like it's, it's speed pretty...
0: dating, but it's, for it's honestly, yeah. it's
1: honestly, it's giving speed dating. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, my first one I ever did was for girl on the train, which was mm. Emily Blunt, Luke Evans, Justin Thoreau. And I was mm. like, I was like, honestly, like, how did I get here? Honestly? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, What am I doing here? What is my life? Um, yeah. And like, you know, I loved Emily Blunt from devil wears Prada and she was amazing. Like that was a great moment the two guys though, Luke Evans and Justin Thoreau, like I didn't really have any skin in the game with them. Like I was, I was like, oh, though I, I guess I liked them, but I was sort of indifferent. They were both amazing. Um, like again, you, again, you have you're sitting, you know, five feet from somebody and there's all these lights and you're just like, all right, action. Yeah. And you have you have, you want, you, you want to quickly get into it with them. And I think that in those moments I definitely did. Um, and I think the I think the one I knew I was a fan because I had watched their show forever, but one that was like I would say the biggest interview I've ever done was I flew to L.A. for eight minutes with Khloe Kardashian and Scott Disick. Wow! It was like a they had their two spinoffs on E were airing back to back that summer, mm-hmm. so they were doing a joint junket interview. And it's you know it's it, I've it's the only Kardashian I've ever interviewed, and it's it's a, a but it's a Kardashian, so you yeah. want to. It was the year of the Jordan Woods scandal. Oh, wow. it was, it was, yeah. it was, I mean, it was, it, but I also was like, I'm not gonna go into an eight minute interview. And it's not just with Chloe, it's with Chloe and Scott. I'm not gonna go into this getting I'm not gonna get the piping hot tea on Jordan and Tristan and and whatever like that's just right. not the game plan, and it yeah. shouldn't be. Cause you have to spend the first couple of minutes asking about what they're promoting too. So it's mm-hmm. like so. I'm like, okay, what do I do? And also, like, how do I get them to like like me, basically? Yeah, (laughs) I want to be friends with them after this interview. But I was like, I want to have a good moment. So I I basically thought of this idea that like I went all the way back in both their Instagrams, thought of moments from the show that they because they were famously sort of like best friends and they were like always really close. I just had screenshots from Instagrams, screenshots from the show, kind of memorable things from over the years that like maybe they'd forgotten about or like, you know that they could speak to and it's like I put them on my iPad and like I walked in with my iPad and I was like all right we're gonna play a game just like react to these photos and like it it got them and they were like they were like they were laughing and they loved it and and I I was like okay mission accomplished you know but like that was it to me like that was a I felt really challenged to to not just have it be okay I interviewed Chloe it was fine I wanted to have it be like all right, this is great yeah and then what, what confirmed it was that she commented on my when i posted the video she commented on my instagram it was like such a fun interview babe and oh i was God, like you right, got a babe i got a babe oh my God. i got called babe yeah so that was that was a a big mo. that was a big yeah mo- that's yeah.
0: huge i mean yeah that that's almost a doll she that's basically next step is you're a doll like oh, that's 100%. crazy 100%. I love it. Yeah, that was fun. I love like four it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, amazing, amazing. All right, let's get back into the Bravo verse since okay. that is such a huge part of our lives. Of course. Um, obviously, we know you're a fan of the Real Housewives, so I want to talk about uh, some of the current shows that are on. Just get your takes. <clears throat> so let's talk about the Real Housewives of Potomac. Where <clears throat> do you stand in the Robin versus
1: Wendy of it all? I really hated watching that episode. Yeah. I- I don't know, like it. It just felt, and I, and I, Robin and Giselle were on Watch What Happens Live, you know, on Sunday, and like, yes, I actually, I actually thought that it was a really good episode of Watch What Happens Live because I like, I, I really appreciate Robin and Giselle's like cutting through the bullshit, and like they will just like they will answer the question, like they're yeah. not gonna, like they, they, might give you an answer you're not satisfied with, right? Or like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's not but a like, great they, they, answer,
0: but they're giving it, yeah,
1: right, totally, and like, and I'm whether you disagree or agree, like that to me, like it's satisfying to watch that, and like yeah. I, I admire that, whatever. But like they were, she was filming Wendy. She was not mm-hmm. filming the full thing. She mm-hmm. was yelling that she was antagonizing her. Like to mm-hmm. me, they and they've said they said this. Like they don't like her. So like yeah. they and they don't want her on the show. So mm-hmm. knowing that, it's like okay, this is just like she's being set up to fail. And like we're not. I do think that this situation is different from the Monique Candace situation. But I also think there is some hypocr- hypocrisy in the reaction to both of those yeah. things. And I also think that honestly that episode or that trip as a whole turned Wendy season around completely. I think that a lot of people were not really hot on Wendy for the first yeah. part of this season. They weren't, they weren't really like picking up what she was putting down. Like it wasn't people weren't really like the, the Twitter reaction weren't, wasn't great to her. Right. And all of a sudden, because they all were, went so hard against her altogether. Now she's, a, now she's like number one in some fans eyes because yeah. of just because just for the sake of, you know, being behind the underdog and right. it backfired on them. And totally. I think that like, that's a less there's a lesson to be learned there. And like, they've been around for seven seasons now. They should kind of know that that's how it works. Yeah. That, like if, if, if we're, if they're all against one person, the audience is going to be behind that one person. Right.
0: I and... call that like the, the Kelly Dodd syndrome. That's what happened. Yes. Kelly Dodd's first season, she came in and, and mind you, I cannot stand Kelly Dodd. I think she is one of the most unlikable housewives of all time, but that first season people rallied around her because she was on an island by herself and especially that last like uh like the the bus of uh coming home from ireland and all of that yeah we shouldn't have cared for kelly
1: dodd but we did and yeah that's exactly what happened here in this right and like i still and i still and i have always liked wendy but i think that like this this kind of brought her into the fold in like a in a in a bigger new elevated way yeah and i also don't
0: think any of us would have thought of wendy as as much of a victim in that scene in that moment no. if if the other girls weren't doing that like if it had really just been mia and wendy like because by the by the end wendy was definitely holding her own she was saying stuff back she was getting up yeah i mean mind you she and she's not drink thrown her, right, right no, exactly totally. and, and she had but she had a drink thrown on her face but i mm-hmm. think had that scene played out without um robin doing what she did it would have felt like a much uh fairer fight but because robin got in there and pulled her phone out which i also still don't get because like i understand when we have these like iphone footage moments when like the cameras are down but there were like seven cameramen around like what was the point of that it made no sense yeah, to me
1: i was trying to i think she talked about that on Walk Robin's live and i think she said something like i want everyone to know exactly what happened and it's like so maybe like maybe she was what? I mean, I don't think she was actually thinking about this in the situation, but I think that her argument is that okay, if it got edited a certain edit, way, I could show yeah. it whatever. But like, I think she was filming it to just rub salt in the wound. Honestly, I, I agree that's because I if thought.
0: if that's your argument, then you should be filming every moment because everything mm-hmm. is edited. Every it's single. So like, scene. flash was
1: on, like the flash, the flash. was on, that was the uh, worst part.
0: It was the flash in her uh, face. It was horrible. like it wasn't even discreet. Yeah, yeah. I did
1: not. I did not like that moment. Definitely, but definitely. and and also it's like. It's also like I mean Robin hasn't had like the most likable season but she's been more she's been more plugged in this season than ever before and it's like I liked that aspect of her approach to the season of like okay I'm actually gonna like engage more yeah I think it's been like I think there's been like a mean-spiritedness to it that I don't love like I don't like when things get like coming from like sort of a a, you know a mean-spirited place but
0: yeah, I do like
1: that she's been clocked in more than we remember her being for a while. I, I agree.
0: Like... I definitely agree. I, I almost wish for her sake that the Mia Wendy fight had happened earlier and then all the stuff with Candace and Giselle had happened later because we actually, mm-hmm. I actually really liked how Robin handled that situation. And for the first time totally. ever, she wasn't like just blindly loyal to Giselle. She had her own opinion for once. Um, She was supporting Candace, which was kind of like, you know, a, a nice new friendship to kind of see building. Um, sure. Yeah. But then you know, she just went back to to the damn cell phone. Uh, yeah, I know I know
1: <laughs> yeah. and yeah, so that that was what I thought I just, and again, like it's and it wasn't just that night. It was like the rest of the trip. We were like mm-hmm. they were trying to basically just like completely ice her out. and it's like, yeah. that doesn't work. and that's not gonna it's gonna make you look bad right guys. Well, like, and it's just especially
0: not... when there's no real like valid reasoning behind it because, you know, like we touched on, she's, she's claiming it's because you know she for the edit or or all of that and then later she's like well really i just don't like wendy but ultimately she doesn't really like mia either she's not doing it to support mia because you know then mia has her her um chiropractic office opening and like robin's not there supporting so Mm -hmm. really the only reason why she did that is because she doesn't like wendy and and so if that's your only uh reason for for doing it then it's not a very good reason in my opinion
1: I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Okay. So what about
0: Giselle versus Candace and Chris, where do you stand
1: on? uh, I feel uncomfortable (laughs) gate. I, I think that Giselle is completely entitled to feel the way she, that she can feel like, I don't think that we can negate that to be Mm -hmm. honest. And like, you know, she, she, I guess she, she said, again, she said that Chris has apologized to her because she said that he had something to apologize for. You know, if he apologized, then maybe he did. Make or I don't know if it's just. It doesn't seem like they're over it, so I don't know if right. it's to sweep it under the rug. But like, I don't know. I think that she's entitled to how she feels. I think that it feels like it was nothing really happened. But again, like, I don't know. Like sometimes it's hard to describe what it feels like in a room with somebody totally. else, and sometimes there's sort of just like that. I don't know, je ne sais quoi about it, and then I'm. It's not not to. Def- I think there's there's I think there's an element of it that's been blown out of proportion, absolutely um but it, I've had like just sort of like a I'm not I've never really been on Kansas's side of a lot of things and yeah. I because like I think that she I think all of a sudden this season she's had an amazing season honestly I'm, mm-hmm. I've never liked her more than I like her on this season you know, totally but I but I don't I think that a lot of <laughs> how she has acted on this show for years like I think a lot of that's being sort of erased in this, in the narrative of this season. And like, I don't know, like, I don't forget some of those things. And she, like, she, not, not, I guess it doesn't really have that much to do with the Chris situation, but I think that like, there's like, she's trying to play the victim in a way that maybe I guess she is, but also sometimes, but also she kind of isn't. I don't know. I'm so conflicted on her these days. And like, I agree.
0: I totally get that. I, I agree. I mean, my, my take on it is I definitely, hear your point and agree with you that like Giselle is entitled to feel however she feels. I've always felt that the way she should have handled this was to talk about like talk about it situationally as opposed to as something that Chris did because Mm. she kind of went back and forth with that like sometimes she would say like I'm uncomfortable being with with any married man alone in a room but then in another time she would be like yeah Chris is a sneaky link and so it's like well which is it is it could it have been any guy or is it actually Chris that's a good point that to me is where the wishy-washiness like I'm I'm it's hard for me to really take what she's saying, not, not, not that I don't believe her, but it, you know, I just feel like own that, like the situation made you uncomfortable, but it wasn't that he did something in particular.
1: Sure. Yeah, and yeah then, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then in terms of Candace, I agree. I feel like, you know, I, I sympathize with her a lot this season and I definitely understand why she's super protective of Chris, but also, and I'm not trying to compare Chris to Michael Darby, but like she has no problem saying stuff about Michael Darby. She has no problem saying stuff about other people. And and yes, those things she's saying are could could very well be warranted. But if you're going to come on a show like this and you're gonna dish it out, you have to be able to take it. You just have to totally.
1: Yeah. She yeah, I think that's where it is. It's like they've all been down over the years to talk about each other's marriages and Mm -hmm. each other's relationships and like on Potomac specifically like that yes. sort of is how it happens like yes. that that's sort of part of the game and I think this year there's just sort of and it's not just from her it's I think it's kind of a fan some fan driven thing online Where like it's like why didn't just Gis- why did Giselle wait for the cameras or why did Giselle you know you know blah blah blah, blah. it's like well that's because that's how this works like we right. we bring it up on camera if it right not, if and re- re- reunion we yeah. last year. We're bringing it up next season. Sorry, exactly. And do you words.
0: know what? I, they, they, you've actually, I've actually heard from some housewives. Like I think, um, like Heather Dubrow in particular said, has said before, like, that's our job. So like, if something played out, like we quite literally, should not we should sit on it we should wait till the cameras come up that is the professional thing to do exactly when we're going and and talking about it off camera that's
1: not doing our job properly yeah totally and like so yeah so i i i think that giselle is not blameless in the situation and i think that it could have been handled in a different way but like ultimately it's hard for me to lose respect for the way Giselle is on the show because she has made the show what it is in terms of moving it forward mm-hmm. and bringing storylines in whether we, whether people think it's because she's trying to just distract from not having her own storyline right. or whatever. Like, I mean, I guess there's like sort of a Rena element to that, honestly, in terms of yeah. like how it happens on Beverly Hills, but like, ultimately you have to sort of respect that to a certain extent. You really yeah. do. And like, if you love Potomac, it's because Giselle has made help make Potomac what it is. And yeah. like, you just can't, I don't think she's at the Rina. No, she's far more. I, I don't more, think she's at the point that Rinna is at right now. Yeah, in Beverly she's, Hills, but, she's but far she's, more palatable than Rinna is. A hundred percent. So I think she has to be careful for sure mm-hmm. in terms of how far she goes and how often she is driving it forward and and kind of who she kind of sets her eyes on, her sights on. But, um, you know, ultimately, like, again, like I I I, I find it, you
0: know, kind of fun to watch. So, yeah, no, I mean, right, totally. Like, they will continue to build each other up and tear each other down. And, like, that's that's what we subscribe for. So, exactly, exactly. Uh, but, you know, on we, we mentioned like Candace is someone who can't really take it although she dishes it out so readily, you know who I think is like the master of dishing it and taking it on Potomac is Ashley Darby. That she takes so much shit and she laughs it off and she does a little TikTok dance and she's just like cool as a cucumber. I don't think I've seen any housewife from any city who can let stuff roll off their back like
1: Ashley Darby does. I think I, and she always has been that way. Yeah. She really has. And I think, I think actually, I think that having kids, made her even more that way in terms Mm -hmm. of just like it puts things in perspective for her so i think that if you if you come at her for her relationship or something else or whatever like i think to her it doesn't really matter because she really just cares about her kids yeah but like she she to me is top tier she Mm -hmm. that's how more people should be on these shows yeah and you know our our girl our girl our our girl's happy right now too so i'm 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 a Darby fan.
0: Yeah, me too. And I'm loving this like you know new chapter for her. Lukein it up. They look good together. Whether it lasts or not, it's like such an Listen, upgrade. So <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe yeah, exactly. I am with you. I'm with you on that. I love them. I love that.
0: Love it. Okay. Last question about Potomac. Who is the real Grand dame, Karen or Charisse? Karen. Next I don't question. think anyone like, has ever said
1: Charisse. No one has ever said. Charisse. I th- I feel like Giselle and Robin are latching on to like Charisse being the Grand dame because like maybe, like, within the confines of actual Potomac, like, off-screen TV, like, or, like, just the, the town yeah. itself. Like the like, like people, what, like people know she meeting, has, yeah. like, all this money and whatever, whatever, and, like, she's very prominent, maybe, in, like, yeah, the PTA stuff. Right. Like, I think that that's how they're pushing that thought. But it's, like, none of us are subscribing to that. We're all no. subscribing to Karen being the grand dame of Potomac the show yeah, in, yeah. In, I won't uh, like the show but also but also potomac right by proxy like, well, because sorry none of us point. even really knew
0: what potomac was before the real housewives of potomac so like i don't know but you know there is no other grand dame there is no potomac pre-rhop no, as far as i'm no. concerned no
1: definitely not and like i think sharice <laughs> has not really brought much to this season it's not that's a no secret but i will say yeah. the one thing that i do appreciate about her being around again is just, she does get under Karen's skin like, yeah, just by, just by, just by existing. Yeah. And it's gonna, its result. It's already resulted in a moment. It's going to result in another moment. And mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes I want Karen to pop off a little bit yeah. and, 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 you know, I don't need to back next season, but like, I'm happy, I'm happy for that reason that she's there. Just even if she's not really bringing much else to the definitely, table. Definitely. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's get into the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So mm. What is the deal with Heather
1: Gay this year? I'm so confused by the, <laughs> by the black eye situation. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I care, but I also don't, you know, like I, I do want to know cause I'm extremely just like flabbergasted, like that yeah. preview for the next episode. I'm like, okay. So is she protecting Jen? Did she, did she black out? Does she genuinely not know? Did she fall? It's very strange.
0: And then Yeah, like the way that she and Jen in the previews for next week are like coming up with a cover story, which seems like they're trying to protect someone else. But everyone online is like, oh, yeah, Jen punched her in the face. (laughs) Like everyone thinks that it was Jen Shaw. So I, I feel like if they were trying to deflect and make it seem like they were trying to like protect someone else. They I don't know if they
1: did a great job. There's there's nobody else that they could be protecting. It's it's right. either it's, to me, it's like it's either Jen or it's like some random accident. I nothing don't know, like nothing really happened. Yeah. No, right. It's like and you know, it's no secret that Heather does have a history of covering up for Jen. Not like not her crimes, but just like she she's she's a Jen apologist, you know, right. and it's like she's always been that way, and we've always known their their dynamic to be that way. So this would not this would just be like a new low for that, I guess. Yeah. But
0: yeah. if it's not anything. Like involving one of the other wives, be pissed. I I feel like Bravo is gonna have hell to pay. Like the fans are I gonna know, be really gonna upset, be especially after like you know Kathy Hilton's off screen meltdown that we didn't get to see and yeah. having no real resolve with that. Like this, like people are gonna be pissed. People are gonna be really pissed. We're gonna feel scammed. Like yeah. like Jen Shaw just scammed all of us. <laughs>
1: well wouldn't be the first time no right
0: exactly just uh just me and (laughs) my grandpa there you go Ah! (laughs) (laughs) okay do you think that meredith and lisa are ever going to make up um and do you take a side in that
1: feud i really want them to but it seems it seems as though meredith is really staunch in her decision to not make up with lisa um and does that make sense to you You know, on like on like outside of a show, yes, it makes Mm -hmm. sense to me because what Lisa said was really it kind of attacked her entire life, and I totally understand that. (laughs) And I and I also understood at the beginning of the season when Meredith did not want to engage with her, they they had jumped right into filming after that reunion. It was Mm -hmm. really fresh. They had just watched that episode. You know, like I under I understood that, but I think at this point, I wish that she would give Lisa more leeway to come back into her good graces yeah um i mean like there are moments on the show where like they coexist they sit next to each other or whatever and like it's 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 interesting to observe those moments because they're not yeah. really pointed out a lot of the time um but you know judging by their social media we're not we have yeah. not made any progress i i don't really i don't think i've really heard anything about the reunion i've i haven't really tapped into that but um you know for the sake of the show i would really i really wish that meredith would find it in herself to Move on, especially yeah. because you know we're gonna we're probably we're losing Jen from the show. Like I don't right. see how that's not gonna happen, and you know then we're left with you know four people who are two like you know there's two pairs of them who are locked in like the bitter feuds with one another. Like where do right. we go from there? You know. Yeah. Um. So I'm not I'm honestly not necessarily on a side because I think that like what Lisa did and was not good, but I also wish that Meredith could could help things move forward. Um. Yeah, it's I think, so I, 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 get, I also love both of them. I love both of them as friends. I yeah. really do. Like, I, I really I, liked
0: I, them as friends too. I think that's why this has been so like hard for me is because I yeah. did like and them a lot as friends. Yeah. yeah, they really are, but they like somehow worked together because they both are just like such completely different versions of this like like bad business bitch in a way. You know, like yes, just, like totally. completely different brands.
1: Yeah, and um, like and like Meredith doesn't try hard at all on the show because right. like she just doesn't really give a shit, and, yeah. but, like, and Lisa tries pretty hard, but, like... Very hard. And not, not not in a derogatory way, but, like, she just does. Well, not, so, I like, think that's to, how she lives her me, life, too. Like, totally. To me, that's, like, an interesting combo, and I think yeah. they, they kind of bring well, out even, different things in one even another. even
0: how they, like, speak, like, Meredith is so yes. dry and monotone, and Lisa, like, sings everything, you know? She's right. like, I need totally. another Kit Kat! Like, <laughs> everything, you know? Um, yes. But, yeah, I hope that they can find their way back to each other. For me, I think I the, the weirdest part of it really is just... I, th- I do think Meredith kind of uh, touts herself as like morally superior to the rest of the women on the show, and like let's be real, I mean she's she's the the bar is set pretty low with Jen Shaw, so I she probably is, but yeah. I don't understand how she could just be completely done with Lisa Barlow, like dead buried in the ground, but then be friends with someone like Jen Shaw. That to me is like the big question mark, and I and if the answer is she's she's friends with her for the show, then like you said, then make up with Lisa for the show.
1: Right, yeah, it's, it's. I think that's the biggest thing that Aunt Meredith has to answer for, and I don't know that, she's been, I mean, she's been asked about it a couple of times, and I, she's explained it on, like, a level of, like, human to human, of, like, apparently right. Jen went through really dark, was going through dark stuff, I think, be sort of beyond, like, as a result, but also maybe beyond just, like, if you take the crimes out of it, yeah, but like, God, there's more. Oh my God. But but I I don't know how, but I don't know how you can take the crimes out of it, especially because she was so staunchly going after the Jen stuff last year. And I, it was just such a 180. and I don't Mm -hmm. think that she's fully explained it. And I really wanted Jen to be at the reunion just to, just to whatever, not, not if she wasn't going to talk about the crimes, I'm glad she's not there. But, and I also, now that she wasn't there, I'm like, hopefully that frees up the rest of the women to really say what's on their mind without the intimidation coming from her end yeah. of the couch. Yeah. They're all so and, terrified. Of and her. so my, my, my hope is that Meredith can finally explain, explain yeah. why she's, why she's so staunchly behind Jen. Now why she went to New York with her and Heather to, for that, for that sentencing or for that, for that, um, um for the trial, whatever mm-hmm. that was at yeah. the end of the season. And you know, I, I don't I I have no answer to that. And I and I I think we're all sort of scratching our heads still. Yeah. And so not only really is it a, any sense. It
0: doesn't make sense. And not only because it's like, why are you aligning yourself with someone who is accused and now is pled guilty to doing really terrible things, but also why are you aligning yourself with someone who's not gonna be there next year? Like you're yes. you're gonna be out that ally. So focus your energies on cultivating relationships with
1: someone who actually like will be here next year when the ball keeps rolling or the snowball yeah. keeps rolling and i know? think and i think that's yeah i think that's where like that's where meredith's like lack of history with the show shows itself mm-hmm. you know and i think that like you know i think that that i think that's why lisa and whitney became friends this year because they yeah. they it was like sort of a i think now they're they're genuinely close right. but i think it, for a while it was kind of out of convenience and out of strategy yeah um but, but you know what?
0: Sometimes I, real friendships are like that. That doesn't only that's happen. That's true. When no, totally. Are on. Sometimes a mutual right. a mutual enemy creates new friends.
1: You know. So yeah. But I don't a, think I don't think I don't know if Meredith's mind within the context of the show works that way in terms of right. thinking five steps ahead necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I, and like you know, they all went out to a gay bar after the reunion right. taping, and, and yeah. Heather and Whitney and Heather and Meredith were not there. Yeah. Um, which should tell you a lot. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. And I, you know, I, Salt Lake City has always been this show that this flame that's burning so quickly and so mm-hmm. bright, but it's so it's really quick yeah. and they've, that's it, always made me nervous. Like last season, I was like, what is the show going to look like in a yeah. season or two? And there aren't that many women in Salt Lake City that they can probably ca- cast from. And I'm just really, right. I'm just really curious what the future of Salt Lake looks like. It's and I, you know, I, the, the two knew it that angie k and dana they may give me hope for what it could look like and i think they have a lot of potential but yeah i don't know it's 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 I wish and I, I don't know. It's like such yeah. a I don't know. It's yeah. I'm kind of at a loss of words sometimes about Salt Lake.
0: No, totally. I, I get that. That actually is a perfect segue into my last Salt Lake City question, which is I want to play like a variation of fuck Mary Kill with the <laughs> friends of, but instead of fuck Mary Kill, it's gonna be fire, keep, and promote. So one you're gonna fire, one will stay a friend of, and then one is gonna be promoted to a okay. full-time snowflake holder. So between Angie H, Angie K, and yeah. Dana.
1: Okay. So I would say if you had asked me this four or five weeks ago, Angie H would have been the 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 promote the promotion, right. no question. Like like I was like I like loved what she brought at the beginning of last season. I thought that mm-hmm. she seemed like so great or whatever, but the the whole shock expose thing and just like the thirst to get on the trip, it just it's right. it's not it's not a good look. So I would probably fire her. Um I would promote Angie K, I think. Okay. That with the caveat being that like it looks like we're getting a moment from Dana at some point where she goes mm-hmm. directly at Jen at that yeah. p- whatever that party is. So if you I maybe you, maybe your yeah. answer will change in three weeks, but um I think I would promote Angie K right now, especially because she her friendship with Lisa is really genuine, it seems like it's mm-hmm. they seem like they're really, really good friends. So I think that her connection to the cast is better than yeah. Dana's right now.
0: Yeah that, no. yeah, that makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. But I definitely, I, I agree. Um, had had really high hopes for Angie H, and then it's just like, what are you doing? Why did you? Why did? Yeah, so weird. Doing? So weird. I know. Uh, but I, I really am enjoying both Angie K and Dana, and Me I, too. I do have high hopes for them, and I definitely feel like, I mean, already just like light years ahead of like the casting choice that was Jenny Wynn. Um, oh my and, God. And Next even question. even beyond like her scandal towards
1: the end of the season. She wasn't a good she housewife. Wasn't she a wasn't a good housewife. housewife. She no, wasn't exactly. A good housewife. She brought nothing. And it's honestly like they, if you would, I'm really surprised about how much I like Angie Kay and Dana because like their introduction to the show was so- yeah they were just thrown in there. Like right. I don't even. I I really don't even know much about. I feel like we don't know anything about them. No, still. we really don't. But like they I are bringing the drama, but like, I don't think we've even seen Dana's home life at all. No. At once and, and she, she's a friend, so we don't always see that from friends. Right. But like, I don't even remember what her connection to the group really is. Like it's so I, the the introduction of them could have used a lot of work. I know that again, like production was rushed and they had to find new people, whatever. Yeah, but um, that I, I'm just really surprised about how much I've I'm on there on the, on on board with them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All
0: right. So as we're wrapping up 2022 and what a year it was, I wanted to get your 2022 pop culture superlatives if we could. So I'm going to go through some, um, and you're just going to off the top of your head, pick who you would choose for that title. All right. right. So this is Bravo or pop culture. It's going to kind of go across the board. Okay. All right.
1: So who is your 2022 housewife MVP? 2022 housewife mvp i think garcelle yeah that's a me garcelle i've loved her since she was on the show but i think this year i mean beverly hills whether you want to admit that or not like beverly hills is the crown jewel franchise of bravo right now highest rated
0: most talks about about it yeah
1: she had her she solidified herself in a new way this year Mm -hmm. and i i love everything about her
0: yeah definitely all right bravo mvp so not just housewives but like all across the bravo verse and that could include me
1: for all i mean i'm part of the bravo verse. besides you yes exactly um a bravo mvp i'm trying to think of a non-housewives bravo mvp um definitely not from vanderpump rules definitely not from um I'm gonna go with Ashley Darby. Okay, because yeah. she, she got you know the separation was announced immediately. There's a statement on BravoTV.com. Mm-hmm. Done. She's she, she she's given us what we want before the yeah. show's even on. All right. Then she comes into the season. She's being an open book about her separation, about everything, like she always is. Then she shows up to BravoCon. She she gives the fans what they want. We have a cross not just across show romance, which we've had, we we have our first like housewife to non housewife romance that's yeah. happening and everyone loves it. She's exposing herself to new fans. Cause I think there's a lot of people who watch summer house who don't watch Potomac probably. Mm-hmm. And, and she's...
0: vice versa too.
1: And, and vice versa. And I think that, you know what? She's a lot going for her right now, yeah, and, I'm, and I hope that she continues in twenty twenty three.
0: She looks great, and here's the thing: even like we said, even if it's like not meant to last between her and Luke, even if, as some people think, it's a publicity stunt, even if she's just getting that good Luke D right now, like get it, girl. I mean, I she was just she was posting like yesterday Instagram stories from his mom's house in like Mississippi or Minnesota or somewhere. Right, it's like I think and-
1: at I think at first it you know they were doing it kind of. Check it out, see what, right. see what the other person was about, give fans some some something they want. But I think now it kind of seems legit, to be yeah, honest. They seem happy together. They seem they're like they they wouldn't be hanging out this much if, it, if there wasn't something real to it. So yeah. who knows how long it'll last, but I'm into it and yeah. I'm I'm happy for her. Definitely. They are the like 2022
0: benefer, as far as I'm yes. concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All Love right. That. What about uh, 2022 Housewives City of the Year? So like best franchise or best city.
1: Um, I'm going to go with, just because it's, it's it's hot in the mind right now, I'm going with Miami. They're going to, yeah. like, I, I, Potomac is my favorite franchise overall, and I think that they're giving us an amazing season, but Miami, I can't stop thinking about this current season. It is, yeah. like, fuego. it's everything to me. It's, there's so much going for it. It's the perfect mix of old school, new school housewives. Mm-hmm. There's so much money there. The money, the, the, the fashion, the, 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 cars. Pr- the production, The production value itself is amazing. I'm loving everything about it. And I think that mm-hmm. it represents what a lot of housewives can strive to be.
0: Yes, absolutely, and you know what's interesting is when Miami first came out, like those first three seasons in the 2010s, it wasn't as much about the aspiration; it really was about the drama. And yeah. this time around, it feels like, and maybe it is the production value or or whatever, but it feels
1: like so fucking rich. No, it's it rich. feels it feels so rich. Yeah. And and I, I I said this on a different podcast recently, but I I really think that like because of the hiatus, because they're on Peacock, because there's so many original people coming back, but also some new ones. They know that they cannot fail at this. Like this yeah. is this is their shot finally to be back, to make a name for themselves, to put them in the same level as everyone. And in my mind, they, they are there, but I think that yeah. they to a lot of people, they have something to prove and they're not going to let it down. Like they, they yeah. know that they have to bring it and they're bringing it. And Absolutely. so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them, honestly. It's amazing.
0: Absolutely. All right.
1: Housewives newbie of the year. Hmm who is new this year let's right. see not nobody on potomac i'm thinking out loud here not no. jacqueline <laughs> i'm like who even was new right. um help me out who is new this year so let's see i mean i mean
0: i mean and actually let's say, it doesn't have to be housewives newbie let's just say bravo newbie of the year so it could be even someone from a, like a newer show or a new cast member for many of the shows okay um
1: I'm gonna go with Maya on Summer House. That's Maya a good on one. Maya on Summer House. I think that she
0: was, Maya I, Allen. She, good one.
1: Yeah, Maya Allen. I think that she had some trepidation about joining the show, and I think that it took her a minute. I I liked her from the get, but I think it took her a minute to really kind of feel comfortable in this environment. She's not a big partier, like I don't. Yeah. But but she's a smart girl. Mm-hmm. She gets along well with pretty much everybody there. She gave us the best moment on any bravo show that has dealt with race and mm-hmm. i think that a lot of people i think that was like a i don't want to call it a breakout moment because that feels like a weird label to put on that conversation but it was like that moment will live on for a while and and she was she was a big part of that and she i don't know i think she she, she showed a lot of herself in summer house and i'm really i'm really ha- excited for her second season yeah and sort of you know maybe she'll get more into the drama or maybe she'll feel more comfortable showing us her love life but she, to me she has so much potential and that's why yeah. i'll give her the, the newbie of the year good
0: i'm glad you didn't pick noella
1: <laughs> oh i was uh, ne- i no. was never on the noella train baby. me <laughs> me either
0: me either all right <clears throat> favorite television show of 2022
1: oh this feels like a lame answer but it's so fresh the white lotus yeah i, mean, I kind of i thought so <laughs> it it had it, it, ha- it uh, to me it has to be that just because I just have such a soft spot for the feeling of everybody watching something at the same time. Yeah, I'm such a proponent of week to week releases versus binge, the binge release model. Yeah. I, by the end of, by the last couple episodes of that show, it, like there was like a feeling that I was getting going into those Sunday nights where everyone in my life, I felt like was talking about watching the white Lotus. Mm-hmm. Everyone was talking about their theories. Everybody was, the memes were amazing. And Yeah. I am I'm, I'm always I mean I I feel like we as people who are so plugged into the Bravo social media of it all we do feel that collective viewing a lot of the time yeah but this was th- that's very online to me even though mm-hmm. I do have a lot of friends that watch Bravo but like having everybody that almost everybody you know watching the same show and talking about it the next day. That's what TV used to be like. Yeah, it's the, it it's the water
0: cooler moment. Yeah, you know, it's, it's what it,
1: they used to write
0: episodes for is to exactly. get people like yes. at work the next day to all gather around. And, and that talk doesn't about happen
1: it. anymore. That really yeah. doesn't happen anymore. And especially, I like just... you
0: said, with binging, because we're all watching shows on our own time. I might watch the finale one week and you're going
1: to watch it three months exactly. later. So, yeah, it, 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 it's so fragmented. So, yeah. I, the, 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 it feels cheesy, but the unity that that brought, honestly, I loved it. So, yeah. White Lotus absolutely gotta love them
0: high-end gays all right (laughs) favorite music artist of 2022 who could you not
1: stop listening to this year Mm, who could I not stop listening to a lot of people um who could I not stop listening to this year Mm, you know what this fall Renee Rapp for me. Oh my god! From, from Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh my Girls. god! Colorado she, is my, oh my favorite Colorado, song right now. Too well. Too well. Oh, so, it's good. so good. I love her, Renee. I liked her. I loved her on the first season of of Sex Lives of College Girls. But I like all. I like all of four of those. Uh, the, They're those so leads. funny. Yeah, it's so good. But man. there was something about her this year, and it, 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 you know she had the TikToks going, and she mm-hmm. she has a pretty big following online. But she released tattoos. Mm-hmm. That was like the first song that was like okay this this girl can sing yeah. it's a pretty great it, that song constantly grew on me yeah then the ep dropped grower, and i was like sure. and i was like all right there there's yeah. there's a lot more here and i think on the second season she really popped out to me as like a highlight of the show and definitely she, she's a, i think that she's a huge star and she she did this like really small tour for the ep like this month and i got a ticket and i couldn't go and so i gave it to my oh. mother and he, oh my he gosh. said that like he but he said that like the feeling of like you know attachment that the people in the crowd had to her is like he has he hasn't seen that in a very long yeah. time and so wow. but to me that, that bodes well like she has a really fanatic following and yeah. so i'm excited for what i mean her music is amazing she's honestly. so good so, you know, her voice people not listened insane. to it
0: oh my yeah. god renee rap go look her up right now in fact uh, so my i'm next week i'm gonna do my like final episode of of the of the year is going to be kind of like my favorite things and uh-huh. That's that better. Be of College Girls is my favorite show this year because both seasons came out this year. Yes. so yeah. good. Oh my god! Wait. Um, but the first season came out this year. It was oh at the god. beginning of this year. Yeah, they, that's crazy. Thank you, Mindy so Kaling. Um, but <laughs> but and then yeah, she's like definitely up there as my one of my top most listened to artists. And then I don't know if you heard that. So they're making a movie version of the Mean Girls Broadway musical, which I don't know if it's gonna be like an actual movie version or if it's gonna right. be like a stage, like a filmed stage sure. version. But she was cast as Regina George, which she actually played on Broadway. So like, I'm so fucking. Oh, excited
1: it's and this. that's gonna be another like star. It's gonna elevate her star, yes. her star level, her level Absolutely. of star. And like, she has it to me. She has the factor, and she well, and because
0: it's like you know, Broadway is so niche, and it's it's not like she's going to do like Thoroughly Modern Millie. Like she's doing mean girls. So it's something that even Broadway, like people who don't think that they like Broadway, they're still going to watch because everyone of loves mean girls. Exactly. So it's just going to open the door for so many people yeah. to be introduced to Ugh. her. I'm, I'm so, so happy. And she's,
1: que- and she's queer, which I just, yeah. and she's so proudly queer. And so I yes. just love that. Like, I, yeah. I think that she's And I love
0: that they great. were able to like write that into her character on the show, yes. especially Really naturally in- too. Yeah. And because in the beginning too, you know, how her character was introduced- uh, it like you wouldn't have thought that she was going mm-hmm. to be the queer no. character of those four girls,
1: you know? Totally she's arguably know like the
0: least, queer, yeah, like who, you know, yeah, queer coded, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally.
1: So, she, yeah, she, I love her, I'm, I'm yeah, excited for her. She's great.
0: Okay, last one favorite movie
1: of 2022? Favorite movie of 2022? Mm. I feel like there's something I saw this summer that I'm just blanking on. Mm, this is a long pause because I'm not, okay. my brain's kind of fried. Um, I'll, I'll, just I'll go insert with... like Jeopardy music right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw recently After Sun, which is Paul Mescal from Normal People. It's a small movie. It's one of the awards movies this year. And I, and I try to see every single awards movie every year. I literally have like a checklist on my phone. And I didn't really know what it, even, what it was even about, but it's, you are watching this, Paul is a young dad on the, on the in the movie. He's on vacation with his young daughter. She's like 12, so she's kind of like in between figuring things out. And it's just like, they, you feel like they're not acting. You feel like you're watching a true young dad with his young daughter. And it's just, it's very powerful. And they, they, the way they tell it is kind of, you know, you have to pick, you have to kind of read into things and what have you. It's a 90 minute movie, but it's just it was really affecting, and it's very. I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say after sun. So I recommend seeing that. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. I will go
0: watch it, and I recommend it's to great. my listeners mm-hmm. go check it out. Gibson Johns recommends yes. highly. Recommends <laughs> film of the year. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I oh had so God, much yeah. fun talking to you. I also feel like we have like a million things in common, and we. Oh yeah. Be best friends, so let's <laughs> yeah. This was,
1: this was really really fun, and thank yeah. you for having me. I yes. So, sometimes I mean, as you can tell, like sometimes I can't think of. It's so we need some introspection sometimes but yeah, as we're you know totally. putting our tweets out so i always appreciate a moment to sort of reflect on on some yeah, sort of stuff
0: of course well like i said this was so much fun hopefully we can do it again sometime and uh Would before you head out can you tell my listeners where they can find you and where they can hear your show
1: yes yeah, so my podcast is called we should talk it's anywhere you get podcasts also on youtube you can watch it um just i have one interview a week it's usually some sort of bravo a reality star it's a or like
0: kiki palmer
1: (laughs) no big deal that was a a recent yeah a recent highlight for sure um and then you can follow me at gibsonoma g-i-b-s-o-n-o-m-a on twitter and instagram and i also have a sub stack of the same name so awesome
0: great well thank you so much and happy holidays merry christmas all the things whatever you celebrate i hope it's amazing you too thanks so much for having me this is fun all right i'll talk to you soon bye bye Okay, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Blackheart. As always, follow me on social media, at Blonde Hair, Blackheart. Like or subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And please go give me a five-star rating or review. It's Hanukkah, after all, and Christmas and my birthday, so do it. All right, guys, I'll see you next week for the final episode of 2022. Until then, bye!